into the arms of Davis. And the superior team all season long was the superior team tonight. And the Kentucky coronation is complete. Champions 2012. Benny Snell needs five yards to break Sonny Collins' career rushing record. They give it to Benny. Straight ahead. Ten. Five. Touchdown. And a rushing record for Benny Snell Jr. of Kentucky. The All Out Kentucky Podcast. Welcome into the All Out Kentucky Podcast. Your home for the Kentucky Wildcats basketball and football program. I am your host, AJ Bradley, and I am joined, as always, by my brother and co-host, Sam Bradley. Now we're going to switch it up a little and do things just a little bit differently today on the podcast, and we will start with the SEC College Basketball Power Rankings, and what we're going to do is work our way through those power rankings, and when we get to our beloved Kentucky Wildcats. We'll recap the brutal loss over the weekend to the Alabama Crimson Tide and preview tonight's matchup against the South Carolina Gamecocks. After the power rankings, we will have a little chat about Coach Cal and some of the scrutiny that he's been faced with lately and some of the rumors that are going around on the internet right now. And lastly, we will get you all up to date on the state of the Kentucky Wildcats football roster as we have seen a lot of movement since the bowl game and things are heating up through the winter months. And Sam, when we look at these power rankings, we unveiled our first edition of these rankings. And when we had initially broke it down, we broke the SEC down into four tiers. Now, this is dating back a couple weeks, but what we had at that time was a top tier, and it consisted of four teams, Tennessee, Alabama, Arkansas, and Kentucky. You drop down to the second tier, Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and Auburn. Drop down to the third tier of teams, we have Florida, Texas A&M, Missouri, and LSU, and then bringing up the rear in the fourth tier, Vanderbilt, Georgia, and South Carolina. Now, when we fast forward to today, things have definitely shaken up a little bit as the conference schedule has heated up, and that top-tier teams has slimmed down to just two, and there is absolutely no denying it. And we look at that top class of the SEC right now, we have to start with Alabama. We saw it all on full display as Big Blue Nation when we tuned in on Saturday. This is a team... And we talked about it before, and we'll talk about it again right here. They're top 15 in the country in offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. They've played the number one toughest schedule up to this point in the season, and they have come out with a 13-2 and record. This is a team who has wins against Michigan State, North Carolina, Houston, Memphis, Kentucky, and Mississippi State already. And when you look over at the Tennessee Volunteers, This is a team who is the number one rated defensive efficiency team in the entire country. They're hovering right around top 30 on offense, which will work with a defense that is that stout. This team has also played 
a tough schedule to start the season. They are 13-2 and in one of the best wins of the entire season as they took down Kansas earlier this year. They also have wins against USC, Maryland, and Mississippi State. Like I said earlier, it's clear and obvious that these two teams, as of right now, has separated themselves as some of the elite teams in the country and also within the Southeastern Conference. So Sam, what impresses you as we look at these top two teams in, the, in this first tier? What impresses you about Tennessee and about Alabama and why they have separated themselves from the pack of the SEC? Yeah, no, absolutely, AJ. Alabama and Tennessee sit atop the SEC alone. They are definitely in their own class. They're in that first tier of competition within uh, the Southeastern Conference. And it's for all the reasons that you mentioned. But truthfully, AJ, to me, both these programs at this moment in the season, I can honestly say are clear-cut contenders where they have the ability to make a very deep, run in March. I'm not necessarily saying that either one of these teams is going to be the team that cuts down the nets. I'm just telling you that they have the opportunity to do so if they continue to play the way they are playing right now. Now, I know we joke and we like to poke fun at Tennessee for never getting to a Final Four, but I'm telling you, AJ, this is a team that is guard-heavy and got a lot of veterans, and I love what they're doing defensively because – They've got shooters. They've got the ability to score. But night in and night out, AJ, they can stop just about anyone in the country from getting the looks that they're wanting to get. And that leads to great offense, night in and night out. And they're able to get open looks and wear their teams down. Alabama, I mean, we saw it firsthand. You can't hold them from missing shots all night. We'll get into it, but even if you hold them for a half, AJ, they've got too much talent to be able to stop for an entire game, which makes game planning extremely difficult. And they've got someone at every single position that can go and get buckets, AJ, at any point in the game. Even when they're getting shut down in transition, they have someone at every position, one through five, that can go get a bucket. And they put that on full display against the Kentucky Wildcats. Both these teams look to me like they can pose themselves for a very deep run in March. But I like the way they're doing it. It's not one-dimensional, and that's where they're separating themselves. Obviously, their resumes speak for themselves at this point, AJ. I mean, it's obvious both of them have top 10 resumes in the entire country. You said it. Tennessee might arguably have the best win in college basketball thus far, and Alabama's close in that, that argument with maybe a top five win in the entire country. So I thought we'd have more names up there at this point. I'm sure you did as well, AJ, but there's no argument to be had in my honest opinion. There's just too much for both these teams that separated themselves from the rest of the class of the the SEC. Yep, Sam, and you brought something up that was really important there. Um, you know, I think every team in the country is striving for their best, obviously, but that's not always going to happen every night, right? You're going to take some lumps and bruises along the way, but what do the really good and great teams do? They find a way to win no matter what. Even if they play bad 
for 38 minutes. In those final two minutes, they'll find a way to claw and scrape away a game in which they probably had no business winning. And then the nights when they play really well, it's it's extremely, extremely tough on their opponent to, to come away with a victory. And that's what Alabama and Tennessee are right now. And that's what the whole conference and the whole country is striving to get to. But when you get to that level and the consistency is there and the cohesive unit is together within the team and you can go through some of these ups and downs and swings of the season and still come away with victories throughout the course of it with with only a couple losses here and there because of being able to do things like that and finding a way to win and doing it in different ways. You've seen both of these teams so far win high-scoring games, low-scoring games, come back and win games from behind, hold on to leads when they led throughout and, and just crush teams. So been able to do it multiple ways. We thought there'd be some other teams up here at this point, but there's not. And you know what? The good thing is, Sam, it's only a couple games into the SEC schedule, so there's a lot of really good basketball left to be played, and this thing can shake out in a lot of different areas. And when we drop down to the second tier of teams, Sam, the first team I want to talk about within this tier is the Arkansas Razorbacks because this was a team that we had in our top tier earlier this season, and they've slid down just a little bit. And I will, the first thing I will say about this team is when you talk about them, you have to talk about the injuries that they have suffered so far. And you have two major contributors in Trevin Brazil and Nick Smith Jr. who go down with injuries. And since those guys have gone down, it's been a little bit of a struggle for this Arkansas team to find their footing. They've lost two of three games with that one win coming against a good Missouri team. But they have had a couple losses here that probably wouldn't have happened if they didn't have these injuries. Now, Brazil is totally done for the season, Sam. It's a knee issue. He's he's gone. And so Nick Smith Jr. is what they're calling out indefinitely. And so there is potential for him to come back at some point in this season. Who knows, right? It's completely up in the air. I will say about this Arkansas team, they've done a good job with these guys out. They're starting to find their way. And guys like Ricky Council, who are the leader of this team, is really putting it on his back right now. And that is an experienced coach with an experienced group. And they're going to continue to fight through this. And so I don't think you can just count this team out and throw them in the trash because of the fact that they lost two of their starters. They're a team that is going to continue to fight and scrap and claw their way through this thing. And here's the thing. They've built up a good resume so far. They've got some good wins. They're going to continue to fight and win some of these games. And if they can just find their way into the NCAA tournament, then they become a dangerous team with not not much to lose because most people are just expecting them to not be able to make it far because of the injuries that they've suffered. But just a team to keep your eye out on. I don't know if you feel the same way about them, but they're definitely in that second tier. We'll have to monitor them because they could fall or they could figure this thing out and come together as a team and really let some of that talent shine through and win some games. Yeah, well, I totally agree with you. And a lot of it comes down to Eric Musselman's ability to shift his team's focus away from the injured players. I mean, it's so tough to say we 
you know, two of our star players go out and there goes our season. But he's a tough guy and this is a tough team. And I fully expect them to be a different team because of it, obviously, but almost in a good way, AJ, because I'm not saying they're going to be better without their two best players. That's insane. I'm not saying that. What I am saying is it's going to give it an ability for Eric Musselman to coach this team differently, to rely on his veterans, and to really preach the fact that we have to be grittier, stronger, and be more willing to do the little things. And you're already seeing it paying off, AJ. I mean, they just got a good win over Missouri at home. They defended their home court where a lot of people weren't giving the benefit of the doubt in that type of situation early in the season, early in SEC play. So... They're starting to quickly show that despite the losses, they're going to still be a threat, especially with a conference play. They're no easy out just because of these injuries. You mentioned it. They could slide, but I, I, I don't see it, AJ. I mean, I don't necessarily think they're going to have the ability to necessarily jump to that top tier because it's going to be really difficult, especially to go on the road and beat some of these Alabama-Tennessee teams. But I do think they fully will be able to sit right in that middle tier of the SEC all year long. They're going to be a tournament team. And who knows? I mean, if they're able to get healthy later in the season and get Nick Smith Jr. back, I mean, that kid's – he's for real, AJ. That's a lottery pick. So only time will tell. But I, I fully think Eric Musselman will not skip a beat and he will have his team ready to go all season long. So the next team that we need to talk about, Sam, is a team that – you know, not a lot of people had um, high expectations for going in. And again, we as Big Blue Nation saw it up close and personal when we traveled down to Missouri to take on the Missouri Tigers. And they, they, they did a number on the Kentucky Wildcats. And when you look at this team, Sam, so far, won a lot more games than what people are expecting. And a lot of talk about their schedule to start the season, not so great, but they have continued to play some good basketball. And when you look at this team right now, Sam, number three in the country in offensive efficiency right now, and they are playing at a top 30 rate in pace, which you know what that means. They're getting a ton of possessions during the course of the basketball game, Sam, and they're doing it in an efficient way and they're scoring at a pretty high clip. So it makes them a really tough team to beat. And you know, in the games that they haven't defended well, they've really actually been able to outscore almost everyone except for Kansas, who did go into their home court and put a beating on them. But that is one of the best teams in college basketball. And then they have the loss against Arkansas, which is, is nothing to you know hold your head down about. So they've played a lot at home so far this season. They've had the benefit of a not-so-tough non-conference schedule. And, you know, when you look at this team, Sam, they do get Bama and Arkansas back-to-back games next week, and both are at Missouri. So they've got two home games coming up against two good teams, one in Bama who's considered a top-five team basically in the country right now, and an Arkansas team that – even though they've lost a couple of players, we still know and respect who they are as a team. So a really good chance right now for this Missouri Tigers team to get a couple of staple wins to add to their resume and really propel themselves into a place where 
not only are people talking about them, but talking about them being an NCAA tournament team and them not having to put a ton of strain on themselves down the end of the season to rattle off a bunch of wins just to get in. They have a chance and an opportunity with the start that they've had to continue to build on that. And we talked about them at length before Kentucky played them. They play a very unique style of basketball. They're going to run and gun. They're going to try to force turnovers and they're just going to go, 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 go. So We'll continue to see how they play throughout the course of the SEC. But, Sam, I think at this point you have to respect what they've done, who they are. They have a true identity as a basketball team, and they are excelling within that identity. you got to take these guys seriously. You can't just write them off as a good story to start the season. I think this is a team that's going to be here to stay and, and compete in this SEC this year. Yeah, I, I like what I see from Missouri. Um, you know, obviously their latest loss coming at the hands of Arkansas on the road. First true road test for them obviously doesn't fare well. They come up six points short on the road, AJ, to, like we said, a well-coached and tough environment in, in Arkansas and Eric Musselman's Razorback. So, um, like you said, nothing to hang your head about, but – this is a team that's going to be a tough out all year long in the SEC. The, the style of play is, to me, AJ, it's almost where Alabama was last year, where the Alabama run and gun and put up a ton of threes, but I, I think they're less reliant on the three than Alabama was last year. So I, I see them having more success, and I think that's where – not to bring them back up, but that's where Alabama has evolved as a team and as a program because we, we said it. I mean, they take an absurd amount of threes, AJ. They do. It's one of the most in all of the country. But the biggest thing that separates them, again, AJ, is the ability to do it in different ways, though. They, they do rely on the three, but again, against Kentucky, you saw they could bang it down low, and they're, they're able to evolve within the game. I think this Missouri Tigers team is perfectly placed in the second pool because I don't see them being able to develop different facets of their games like that on multi-level dimensions, AJ. I think who they are, they need to stay true to that. They need to continue to defend at a high level and get out and run and push the pace and make it very difficult for teams to keep up with them. But this is why they're in that second tier for me not necessarily taking anything away from them because obviously they spanked us. But what I'm saying is important because teams are going to be able to figure that out later in the season. It's tough to do it, AJ, game in and game out because you've constantly got opponents and they will rack up wins. They will. But it's really tough to find those matchups and, and find an ability to slow a team down when you're playing Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday. It's difficult, man. So they're going to find their success, especially in the SEC. But I don't necessarily see them as that top tier. So I like exactly where you put them. So another team that we're going to have slid in here to this second tier um, is a team that, honestly, Sam, we haven't really even touched on much in this podcast at all, but that's the Auburn Tigers. And, you know, Good old Bruce Pearl, man. He's got that Auburn Tigers team right where he wants them. And they're not the sexiest team out there around the block, but 
they have a workmanlike attitude and they, they, they get down and gritty with it. And you're looking at a team in Auburn who really relies heavily on their starters, Sam. They play a very, very limited bench. They rely heavily on their starters for most of their production. And so far this season, done a pretty good job of it. This team right now sits top 15 in the country in defensive efficiency and hovering just outside of the top 50 on the offensive side of the ball. And because of this really hard-nosed defense that they play, they've been able to enforce their will in some of these games. And even though at times they do have a little bit of struggles to score the ball at a really high clip, they do play very hard-nosed defense, and that has kept them in a lot of basketball games. And I really think they're starting to, to find their stride right now. If you've seen them play over the last couple of weeks, put some really good stuff on tape. The thing about this basketball team is their schedule is going to get a lot tougher towards the end of January. So keep your eye on this team because if they can get better on offense, if they can tune it up a little bit and start to bring that efficiency from around the 50 mark, and start creeping up with that and get better at that, with a top 15 defense in the country, you become a very dangerous team down the stretch because we know how games can get later in the season and in March, and it gets tight, and guys are missing shots, and you have a team that is physical and is tough and can rebound and can defend at a high level. So watch out for this Auburn team. I think they are, again, right in this second tier of teams. They've done some good things. They probably haven't played their best at times, but a team that is definitely going to be in the mix towards the latter stages of the season and a team to watch out for because they they really could. They could go down a little bit as they go through this tough stretch, or they could really prove to teams that, hey, we are one of the better top 25, 20 teams in the country, and we're here to make some noise towards the end of the season. Do you see it the same way, Sam, or what do you what have you seen from the Auburn Tigers so far this season? Yeah, I mean, this is a team that defends at a high level. The, the energy is always brought by that KD Johnson, AJ. We're obviously familiar with our matchup against them last year. I, I mean, it, it's a veteran group. I like what I see from them. Like you said, their, their defense is elite, and they're going to be able to keep themselves in games and win games because of their defense. But but that next step for them is definitely developing their offense. Um you know, they've been able to, to get through by some easier scheduling early in the season. But like you said, the thick of it's about to come. They've had their three losses come to the hands of Memphis, USC, and they just lost a tough game to Georgia. They need to start proving that they can win some big games because AJ, this is a team that's hovering right inside the top 25, but I'm telling you, they're going to have every opportunity to either defend that or really drop down because it's going to get tough for them. The road's going to be difficult. Their ability to continue to bring the energy and get stops is going to be vital for the success. But I'm telling you, AJ, they will not stay in this tier two of the SEC, let alone the top 25, if they can't start creating a little more offense efficiency. Okay, so the last team that we're going to discuss in this second tier of the college basketball power rankings in the SEC is this Kentucky Wildcats team. 
And when we look at this team, what we're going to do is we're going to look into the Alabama game a little bit, and then we're going to preview this upcoming matchup with South Carolina and get you guys ready for it. And when we're done with that, we'll continue to move on with the rest of these teams that are sitting in the bottom two tiers of this conference, which most of them are in that third tier. But before we get there, let's talk about the Kentucky Wildcats, which you guys all came here to listen to and Sam said it in my opening and I'll say it again a brutal loss over the weekend and I'm going to talk just for a little bit on what I saw from the Kentucky Wildcats I don't need to beat this into death I don't think anybody needs to hear us talk about the performance for an extended period of time because that's just going to make everyone sad and angry but I'll give you what I have, Sam. I'll let you give the people what you saw and your takeaways, and then we'll move on to the preview of the upcoming game with South Carolina in which hopefully Kentucky can move forward and move on and get better because of this experience over this past weekend. But when you look at the game, Sam, the thing is very unconventional, right? The game starts out. Oscar is just completely lost. He cannot defend the high pick and roll. Case and Wallace our, one of our leading guards goes out with two fouls early, barely plays in the entire first half, right? So you get zero production from Jacob Toppin on the offensive side of the ball in the first half. He did a really good job of defending for most of the first half. You get Oscar Shibway basically out of the lineup because of his lack of defensive play. Cason Wallace is sitting on the bench. So there's your three top playmakers and scorers from this season who just nothing no production from them whatsoever in the first half and and the thing about it is sam we got a ton of effort and fight from the other guys who were in there in the first half and you saw a team in kentucky who was relying on guys who haven't played a whole ton of minutes this year to come in in a, in a hostile environment against a very good basketball team and just try to keep the team's head above water so we could get some of our better players back in. And they did it for a long stretch of that first half, Sam. But I just, the game comes down to just, a, the margins are thin. And we talk about that all the time in, in all sports, but in college sports and pro sports, when it's high level, the margin for error is slim. And when you look at this game, Sam, it was a two-point basketball game with three minutes and 51 seconds left in the first half when we went to the last TV timeout, okay? In the final 351 of the first half, the Wildcats get outscored 14-5 to to go down by 11. Everything that they worked hard for in the first half, gone, down 11. Then in the second half, we go 1 of 11 to start the half in the first six minutes and are now down by 21 points at that point. The game is over, right? And that's that's your ball game right there. A 10-minute stretch of the game, one quarter of the game, in which we got outscored by 20 points in that 10-minute span, and that's the final score of the game. And just to magnify that a little bit, Sam, I talked about the lack of production from some of our guys on the team, but th- this is what really blew me away about the game when I went back and looked at some of the stats and rewatched the game. We as a team, we really did a good job of offensive rebounding. We killed them on the offensive glass. Sam, we shot 73 shot attempts at Alabama. They shot 54. 
we made 21 baskets, they made 26. We shot 19 more shots than them, and they made five more than us. And then you look at the free throw line and the fact that they were aggressive and we weren't, and we shied away from the contact and they went into it. They shot 26 free throws to our eight, and that's that's the game right there. Everything else is mute, is a non-point. It doesn't matter. When you see those numbers, it just paints a, a, a perfect picture to marry along with what you saw on tape and on your TV over the weekend. So that was the game for me. I'm not going to go any further. I'll leave that for, for people to just kind of chew on a little bit and, and get your thoughts here, Sam. Yeah, no, you, 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 you put that beautifully because it's exactly what I had down on my notes today, AJ. I mean, it was that four-minute stretch, just under the four-minute stretch, to end the first half. I mean, we were texting back and forth during that first half, AJ, and he was like, wow, this is just not the game we anticipated. But it was almost playing to our favor. And I even said, hey, man, they're going to knock down shots eventually. I said it earlier when I was breaking down Alabama's power ranking. But they're going to have the ability to knock down shots. We knew it was coming. But we were weathering the storm enough at that point in the game where I was confident, okay, but even if they do start knocking down shots – you just got to keep putting together decent offense, and we're going to be fine. But unfortunately, terrible close to the half. We've got to put Jacob Toppin on the bench, who was really doing a fantastic job defensively for us, AJ. He, no, he was not bringing us much on the offensive end. But at that point of the game, AJ, it was more about it was more about our defensive effort. Exactly. So it's just here's the thing for me, AJ. You said it perfectly. We get. I, I wrote down. The efficiency in which I call the the non-variable efficiency that is in our offense was a variable, and and that's a very big concern, AJ, because we almost always can count on Oscar Shibwe to produce for us. He shoots one for seven, gets four points. Kaysom Wallace has been a consistent go-to offensive production scorer for us, AJ. He finishes with two points, one for 13, AJ. Most of his shot attempts coming in the second half. And then Jacob Toppin, who has emerged as our offensive mid-range threat, could not find himself and get going. Finishes with three points, one for 10, AJ. You said it. We finished with, with 20 offensive boards, AJ. We had enough possessions. We had enough looks. Our constant issue was we were struggling and settling for contested, tough two-pointers, AJ. When you look at the scoring breakdown, because I looked at it, AJ, zero baskets were scored by Alabama in the mid-range. They either had all of their points from the three-point arc or inside the paint. That's the difference in the game. And and that's what they want to do, and you got to figure out some way in which to force them into tougher shots. And you just, Even though they didn't hit them in the first half, they were getting every look that they wanted. They either got it in low or they shot a three, and and that's their that's their game. Yeah, no, absolutely. And look, we can sit here and argue on Kentucky's behalf that only being able to go to the line a handful of times and shoot eight free throws to Alabama's twenty six is absurd. And I agree. I mean, don't get me wrong. Maybe the the refing was questionable. Doesn't matter. 
when you look at that big of a discrepancy, it's driven by what your game plan game plan is, AJ. And Alabama's game plan was get the ball to the hole and get fouled and knock down shots. And, and they did that beautifully. And, and we shied away from it. And that's really where I have my biggest gripe, AJ. We shied away from the contact. We continued to settle for very tough floaters, very tough mid-range jump shots. And none of them, I mean none of them, fell. I mean, we, we made 21 shots, AJ, out of 73. None of them fell. But I know I got to bring it up because this is what everyone wants to hear. Like, what's our biggest issue now, AJ? In my honest opinion, it's confidence. We've now had five games, our five biggest games, we've lost all of them. So this group is now sitting here with no confidence saying, who are we? What are we doing? We, we haven't been able to get that staple win yet. Where do we go from here is the question. How do we respond? Can it be fixed? I know those are all the questions rattling around your guys' brains. And I'm not necessarily sitting here with AJ saying, we've got the answers. I'm bringing and posing more of those questions as rhetorical questions, AJ, because we all know they're there. We all know it. So does Cal. So do the players. They know the questions are there. The identity crisis has, has officially hit. It was AJ. 52 points was tied for the fewest score in conference play since Calipari took over in 2009. We were on the verge of the biggest loss in the Cal era. Thankfully, it wasn't, but we were on the verge of it. it, it so it was that type of loss. What I'm offering you today, not as the solutions to those rhetorical questions, but more as we've got to find silver linings, AJ. We have to. So the last couple of things I'll say about this game, we can move on, is the positives that we need to continue to focus focus on and develop through. But I texted you. No, I, I not texted you. I called you right before the game, AJ. And I was like, hey, one thing we didn't necessarily directly say, we said it. We said, you know, People got to hit shots and someone's got to step up and it's not going to come down to just our typical maybe three-man rotation of majority of our scoring. But someone's got to step up. Silver lining, AJ. Antonio Reeves was special. He was, he was very good. He was special. And I, he flipped the script because everyone's been saying he can't do it in a big game. That was a huge game. And he might have been the only person other than Severe Wheeler – yeah, that showed up. To I, that we, game. we got we got to at least say one thing about Severe Wheeler. He 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 battled all night, Sam, and he really carried some of that burden and that load during the game when nothing was going well, and he was the only guy outside of Antonio Reeves getting any buckets for us and really trying to push the pace and, and make things happen. And I, I just I, I just wanted to point that out real quick because I thought that he no, yeah. he fought hard and I thought he, he he's been playing really well. And he continues to play really well. And and sorry to interject here, but that's that's another little silver lining here is the play of Severe Wheeler, our point guard, and that is starting to come along. And, and that was something that maybe we weren't so confident in earlier this year. And I'm starting to gain a lot of confidence in that young man and, and who he is as our point guard. I, I totally agree. He these last three four games has emerged as an elite point guard for this Kentucky Wildcats team. It has definitely been the silver lining on a night in night out consistency. So I love what I'm seeing from him. The next thing I'll say, AJ as a silver lining is you mentioned it, but we rebounded the ball. Well, as a team, it was a team effort. Okay. No one went off. We didn't have 
a typical performance of Oscar pulling in 15 boards himself, but we still were able to out-rebound this Alabama team and dominate the offensive boards. The only issue is we finished with seven assists, and typically when you're getting offensive boards, AJ, that should go right hand-in-hand with a lot of assists because you're moving the ball right after an offensive board and you're getting easy looks. We didn't do any of that. But those are, those are positives, AJ. We're getting production from Antonio Reeves, 20 points, 7 for 13, 4 from 7 from 3, that we were counting on. There is talks. I just listened to Coach Cal's Monday weekly uh, call-in show, AJ. He said that C.J. Frederick practiced today, and he looked good, and he felt good. And he said he was going to give him a call later this evening and make sure that he still felt good and he wasn't having any pain throughout the night. That's a big sign for the Kentucky Wildcats. We need him back, AJ. We need him healthy. And then the last thing I'll say, because we'll get into it, is he said he, it was a great practice. And he said, he, he admitted, we have, we've gone backwards. He, he, he knows it. He's not stupid, AJ. He knows they've gone backwards. But he said it was a great practice and we'll continue to figure this out. And I believe him there. And we'll get into it, but at least we could walk away with a little silver lining because it's tough when you lose on the road to Alabama, seventy-eight to fifty-two, to find anything to feel good inside about. So, all right. Well, good thing is Sam about conference play. You don't really have much time to lick your wounds because you got another game coming up, and I will preface the preview of the South Carolina Gamecocks with this. If you don't show up to play in conference, I don't care who you're playing, you can get beat. Okay? End of story. So when we look at the South Carolina Gamecocks, Sam, you know, we've broken the SEC down into tiers and we've gotten through the first two tiers. We got two more tiers to go and we'll rapid fire go through the rest of these teams and get you guys through this but there's one team in this conference i'm sorry but just kind of sits down there by himself and that's the south carolina gamecocks this this season sam when you look at them every single team in the sec is rated inside the top 100 this team is outside of the top 250 they have really had a tough start to their season. You know, they actually started on a positive note. They beat a top 50 Clemson team back on November 11th, which is a good win. That Clemson team is hovering right around the top 50 net ranking right now. So that was a good little start to their season. But since then, it's been quite disastrous. They have been beaten by four teams outside of the top 100 in Colorado State, Davidson, George Washington in East Carolina, and Most notably, they did just play Tennessee the other night, and they lost by 40. So, obviously, Tennessee is a great team, but never a good look when you're getting beat by that much. And um, this team, you know, you watch them play, you you break down the numbers, you look at them, they just they they really struggle to score the basketball at times. Sam, I mean, 
you want to feel a little bit better about some of the struggles the Kentucky Wildcats have been having this year, why don't you just go turn on a South Carolina Gamecocks basketball game once in a while, BBN, and it'll make you feel just a little bit better. But in all seriousness, they have struggled um, to score the ball at times. They're not really a great defensive team to cover up some of the lack of playmaking and scoring ability they have on offense, which in turn creates some 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 problems for them and you know they give up a lot of offensive rebounds throughout the course of the season they have so far so look at Kentucky to have a huge advantage in that department in this game you could see another monster performance on the offensive glass for the Kentucky Wildcats in this game and when you look at their roster Sam their best threat on offense up to this point of the season for South Carolina is a freshman that they have, and he's a forward. 6'9", Gregory Jackson the thirty averages just around 15 points per game, but no, again, most notably against Tennessee, you talk about that great defense of Tennessee, they, they, they held him to zero. He scored in double figures every game so far as a freshman. The only game he hasn't was against Tennessee, and he got shut down to zero. When you when you look at their roster as well, Sam, they have two guards that really stuck out to me that, that need to be paid attention to. And, um, I'm going to get into these guards a little bit, and then I'm just going to talk briefly about what I think the Kentucky game plan should be from my perspective. And then we'll, we'll, we'll get you back in here, Sam. But, um, the first guard I wanted to talk about is Michi Johnson. Um, this is probably their best scoring guard averaging around 12 points a game. And, Listen, the one thing I've learned about their guards and about Michi Johnson, they're going to launch threes, okay? This guy has games where he shot almost 15 threes in a game by himself, okay? So he doesn't shoot necessarily a high percentage, but he's had three or four games this season where he's gotten cooked or got cooking and he's hit four, five, six threes in a game before. And he's a microwave. Yeah, he's a microwave, Sam, and he's very streaky, but. You just can't allow that to happen, you know? So, and then their other guard, Chico Carter. This is a guy who averages around 11 points per game, and and he's going to shoot a lot of threes too, and he shoots it at even a higher clip than Michi Johnson. So um, these are two guys. I know as a team they're not great, and they haven't won a lot of games, but you cannot let these guys get going because they, like Sam said, are microwaves. They start to see the ball go in once or twice, and then it's it's like shooting fish in a barrel. It's just they can start knocking down threes from anywhere. So you've got to pay attention to where these guys are in the court. And then the last guy I'll mention on this team who's been an impact player is Hayden Brown. And he's a guy who is 6'5", actually transferred over from the Citadel after playing there for a few years and has come in and made a nice impact on this team. He he is not a guy who's really going to stretch the floor and shoot a ton of threes, does most of his work within the three-point line, but shooting right around just 46% this year and uh, has done a nice job for them averaging around 11 points per game. So those are probably the players that we're going to need to pay attention to in this game and and have a plan for them going in. Definitely going to want to run some of these guys off the three-point line. And for Kentucky, your game plan for me Honestly, it's just make it tough on these guys. As a defense, you got to force them into tough shots because if you can do that, they're going to shoot a low percentage and then you just focus on the rebounding and blocking out. That's going to give us an opportunity. I'd like to see us to get out there and run a little bit more than we've been able to in previous games. I know it's been a focal point of the offense to slow it down a little bit when they get in up there to 
you know, set up the offense, but I'd like to see them run just a little bit more. Continue to work on your offensive sets that you've been going through these past couple of games. Continue to build within that system. Get some of the guys going. Hopefully we can get C.J. Frederick back out there. We'll see. If not, okay, but let's continue to build the confidence of Antonio Reeves and some of these other guys play our game, but it's all about forcing them into tough shots, rebounding the basketball. And if we can do that, we should be able to have success on offense. And, you know, Sam, just looking for the Kentucky Wildcats to really go out there, put a good game together, should be able to, should be able to win this game by 20 plus points. I don't know if they will, but if we play the basketball we're capable of, we should be able to get out there and end this game. And I'd really like to see, that's kind of my challenge for this game. Can the Kentucky Wildcats come out, bury this team early and just end it and say no and and, and have South Carolina screaming no Moss? Yeah, wouldn't we all love that? I think that would definitely provide all Big Blue Nation a, a slight sigh of relief because I don't think any of us need a stressor in a close game. It's not something that we need to maybe <laughs> – help build team chemistry at this point. We, we need to, to really hand it to this inferior opponent. I mean, they're, they were picked to finish second to last in the SEC. We've got them at the very bottom tier of the barrel of the SEC in our power rankings, if not last, second to last, AJ. Um, they struggle to score the basketball. You said it. I mean, they're, they're averaging 64 points a game. They're only dishing out about 11 assists per game. I mean, this is a team that just truly doesn't have offensive identity. However, you said it best. They've got a couple of microwaves in their guard position that we get it. I mean, we, guys, we're, we're Kentucky fans. How many times have we watched some random guard walk into Rupp Arena and have a career night and have the basket look like it's the size of the ocean? So it's bound to happen. So we have to have some defense, defense efficiency because – this cannot be a game where we let a bad offense get hot. It can't be, AJ. So so look for our focal point to start on the defensive end of the basketball. And the only other thing I, I really have to say, because you hit it all, AJ, is the only thing I'm concerned about is the potential lineup that you, USC, South Carolina, could put out there against us with length. We just watched Oscar Shibway, and we saw it at times last year where he really struggled against some length, AJ. They've got a guy who's seven foot, has over a 7'4 wingspan, I believe it's 7'5", 7'6 wingspan, and Josh Gray. He's only averaging around 11, 12 minutes a game, AJ, so he's not necessarily their starter at the forward position. However, given the tape that South Carolina is able to go back and watch, do not be shocked for South Carolina to be able to put out Josh Gray and really try to make Oscar Shibway struggle. So my challenge to you, Oscar, if you're listening to this, is you've got to be more physical. You absolutely have to be more physical. You are a presence. I don't care about the length. I know that's that's tough to finish through. But there was times against Alabama where the length, was only altering your shot. But if you bring your body and you bring your physicality, there's not anyone in the country where I can honestly say there's no chance you're scoring on them. There's no chance. I fully believe that, AJ. So he's got to be physical regardless of who's guarding him. And he's got to realize if a ball's coming into him and they're quick to trap like, like Alabama was, 
you got to immediately move that ball out. You, you can't keep bringing the ball down. You can't keep bringing the ball down when you're getting double, triple, because those create turnovers. So look for a lineup out of USC, South Carolina, that says, hey, we're going to try to throw something at Oscar and show him another look of length. Although Josh Gray isn't necessarily their go-to man, he could get some huge minutes for the South Carolina team to be able to disrupt Shibwe's offense efficiency. Regardless, it does definitely come down to the boards for me as well, AJ. Get after the boards. Get after the boards. Get after the boards. We're favored by 18.5. You said this is probably a game we should win by 20. I'm not necessarily walking into this game with any reservations of the amount of points we should win by. What I need to see is that regardless of how much we win by, we controlled the game and we won the game handedly. That's all I'm looking for, AJ. That just about does it for me, man. Yep, absolutely, Sam. And now that we've gotten done with that, let's take a few minutes here, Sam. Let's just go through these real quick. We got six teams left in the SEC. We still got a, f- a few other things to get to, so um, yep. we'll just go back and forth and, and take these teams. But real quick, this next kind of third tier of teams that we've got here in the SEC, you're looking at Mississippi State, LSU, Florida, Texas A&M, Ole Miss, and Georgia, and um, Vanderbilt as well. I'm sorry. And yeah. uh, then – you know, we already touched on South Carolina, so we'll we'll just kind of go back and forth here. Sam, I'll kick us off. I'll start with with Mississippi State, and then um, you take a team, and we'll go three and three and get through these and and, and kind of give everybody a sense of, of who these teams are. If you haven't had a chance to play or watch them play yet this year, but um, again, I'll start with Mississippi State. You're looking at a team here, top fifteen in defensive efficiency with wins over Marquette who is a top 25 team, Utah, who is a top 50 team, and then Ole Miss as well, who's hovering around the top 80. Three losses on the season so far, which recently happened as they have lost three in a row around, or they did lose three in a row around Christmas and New Year's time, where a a tough three-game stretch where they lose to Drake, they lose to Alabama, they lose to Tennessee, It's a team that doesn't shoot the ball particularly well, but they do grab a lot of offensive rebounds. Remind me of Kentucky in that way. They really crashed the offensive glass at a high rate. Kind of up and down so far this season, but they have a really, really tough stretch of games coming up when you look at their upcoming schedule, Sam. Auburn, Tennessee, Alabama, and then a crossover with the Big 12, where they're going to see TCU. So we're going to learn a lot about this Mississippi State team here in the next couple of weeks as their tight as their schedule tightens up. Yeah, absolutely. And I like the way they responded. They they lost those three straight games: Drake, Bama, Tennessee. But then they get a nice win over Ole Miss. AJ, not necessarily a huge threat in the SEC. I've got them at actually at the bottom of the barrel, sitting there with South Carolina and our power rankings. AJ. But still, you've got to respond there. You absolutely have to respond, and I like the way they did it. Next couple of teams I'll I'll quickly touch on for you guys is rounding out that next tier for me, AJ. And honestly, they remind me a lot of Kentucky. We've got LSU, who you mentioned, Georgia, and A&M, as in Texas A&M, guys. But here, AJ, we we watched LSU. We have, obviously, a firsthand experience. That's a gritty team. That's going to be a hard out 
for anyone in the SEC. Not necessarily the best offensive, offensive identity, but it's a team that's going to fight every single possession. They're going to defend their asses off, AJ. They're not going to take a possession off. And that's going to win them games. That, that truly is. Then we've got a Georgia team that I want to bring up, AJ, because although they're struggling, they're currently sitting at 11-4, and 1-1 one one in conference play. Their one win is a good win in SEC, AJ. They beat Auburn at home. I like that win for them. That, that's, that's something to build off of and continue to find their identity. Again, sitting at 11-4, not necessarily the most ideal start to the season, especially given the early stretch that they had to begin the year. However, they are continuing to round out their roster and really to refine to more of a six, seven man roster that they're really heavily relying on. I will then move to Texas A&M. Texas A&M is much like Kentucky, sitting at 10 and 5. However, they have a 2 and 0 start to SEC play. They have some poor early losses that bring them to 10 and 5, AJ. They lost to Boise State and Wofford. This is a team that I really don't know who they are at this point in the season. I don't know if you know better than I do, AJ, but I don't think they know either. They're a team that's really struggling to find their identity. They're struggling at times to defend, and they're letting teams really run away with the scoreboard here and there. So they've got some real soul-searching to do, much like Kentucky sitting at 10-5. and five. But if you can't defend in the SEC, you're not going to win many games. That's my honest opinion. But I don't know if you want to throw a couple of cents in there on some of those teams I mentioned. If not, I'll pass it over to you for, for maybe that next couple of teams in the, the rest of the tier. Yeah, j- just real quick, um, when you talk about the Georgia Bulldogs, obviously a team that has improved year over year under new head coach Mike White coming over from Florida. Just played them pretty tough the other night as well. So sitting at 11-4 and four right now, they're, they're not in a terrible position. Um, but they're going to... The competition is going to ramp up for this Georgia team, and so it's going to say a lot about who they are. We're really not sure about how good they are and how good they can be, so so we'll see on them. And then Texas A&M is a team that I had my eye on since the beginning of the season. And when you look at this team, let's think back to last season, right, Sam? They go on a stretch down the end of the season where they go 9-1, and one, reach the SEC championship game, lose to Tennessee. They don't quite make it into the NCAA tournament. They find themselves in the NIT where they go on another run all the way to the championship game, lose to Xavier. You have majority of your team coming back from that season last year, plus you add a transfer 6-9 forward from Michigan State, Julius Marble, add him into the mix to help you with some presence down low. And you, you go into the season thinking this team is going to be one of the better teams in the SEC. They're going to take a step forward. They're going to make the NCAA tournament. I just, I don't know if they're that team. We'll, we'll, we'll really have to see, but they, they kind of leave you desire. You're always desire. You're wanting more. You're desiring more from them when you watch them play basketball. So a lot of teams right here in this mix right now, Sam, that are just they're average basketball teams in the grand scheme of things, probably a little above average, but not great. And so they're all kind of jockeying here for position. And we're really going to see throughout this SEC schedule which teams are going to be able to se- separate themselves out of all these teams that are sitting here. Um 
I'll touch on Florida real quick because they're just an interesting team in my mind, Sam, and then I'll throw it back to you to to cover the rest of the, this SEC um, conference. But Florida, here's the thing about them. You go on Ken Palm, you, you look through their numbers, you're breaking it down, and he's got them as the 57th best team in the nation right now. And I'm looking at their numbers and I'm watching them play, and something to me is just not clicking there. The numbers don't match up with what I'm seeing, and you know they're top forty right now in defensive efficiency. So that 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 is pretty good. But you're sitting right around the top one hundred in offensive efficiency. And the thing is about it, Sam, they've had eight games against teams this year that are within the top one hundred in college basketball. They've lost seven of them. Granted, they have played UConn a top five team, a top 30 team in West Virginia, Xavier, Oklahoma, and Auburn, but they lost to all of them. The only top 100 win they have right now is Georgia, who's ranked just inside the top 100 at 93. So Florida's at eight and seven right now. I I just, they're not a team that, that threatens me or scares me in any way. I get they have they're supposed to be a better team. So we'll see that if they can kind of figure things out and get it to click, they may be a team that could, could rattle off some wins and go on a win streak here in conference play. But as of right now, they're not doing much for me. So uh, I'll pass it back to you, Sam, touch on these last couple of teams, but yeah. So I think the last couple of teams to touch on is, is starting with Vanderbilt moving to Ole Miss and South Carolina. But um, for me, AJ with Vanderbilt, uh, you look at the Kim Palm ratings, they're just just barely inside the top 100, sitting at 98 currently. Um, net efficiencies, both offensively, offense and defense, well outside the top 50. Um, this is a team that, honestly, AJ, sitting at 8-7, and 1-1 one and one in conference play, is going to struggle to win games. Um, you know, when, when I talk about it's really tough to win games when you can't defend, their net adjusted defense is 119th in the country, while their offense is 94th, just inside the top 100. When, you, when you've when you got your offense and your defense out the, basically outside the top 100, AJ, you're going to struggle to win games um, in any conference, let alone a conference that stresses defense efficiency like the SEC. You're playing physical basketball, AJ. Um, you know, this Vanderbilt team was obviously not exactly picked to succeed in the SEC conference. I believe they were originally picked to finish right around 10th. Um, They do have a strong guard in Jordan Wright who can really put up some numbers. So, you know, uh, for me with Vanderbilt, AJ, one thing to look for throughout the rest of the season is can their guard play continue to elevate? Can they continue to progress this team, let their leaders shine? Because without it, I really don't see them winning all too many basketball games. Which then brings me to my point with the last two teams. I'm really not even going to touch on them unless you want to. Ole Miss and South Carolina. You mentioned it. I mean, these teams are really, really struggling. Well outside the top 150 net ratings. I mean, I really don't have much to say for them. We touched on South Carolina in our matchup. And Ole Miss is currently sitting at 8-7, and 0-3 oh to start conference play. Dare I have to say more? Yeah, and it really kind of hit a snag there for Ole Miss when you lose to a 
team in North Alabama who's rated outside the top 300. Um, just an absolute brutal loss, and, and that kind of kickstarts a four-game losing streak where you lose to Tennessee and Alabama, Mississippi State, and those teams are all better than you. It wasn't really competitive, so um, they're a team that's definitely headed in the wrong direction, see if they can turn things around. But um, the last thing I wanted to point out about any of these teams, and I just wanted to get in there because, Sam, we touched on LSU a little bit ago. I just wanted to add one thing because I thought this was really – really um something that people could pay attention to but you know they're kind of in that middling part right now they've won some games lost some games think about this sam come a couple weeks we are going to know exactly who the lsu tigers are saturday they go play alabama follow that up with a matchup against auburn tennessee arkansas a crossover with the Big 12 where they get Texas Tech, and then they come back to the SEC to play Missouri and then Alabama. So so let me go through that again. Alabama, Auburn, Tennessee, Arkansas, Texas Tech, Missouri, Alabama. Their next seven games. Okay? So we're, we're going to check back with this LSU Tigers team after those seven games, and we're going to still see if they're alive. And if they are... They're a dangerous team. If they have gone through and won some of these games, I don't expect that to happen, but we are going to learn everything about this team in the next couple of weeks, Sam. No, that, that's a great point, man. Great and, point. And then, yeah, we don't even need to touch on South Carolina. We talked about them in our preview with their matchup against Kentucky. So that about rounds out our SEC basketball ranking, Sam. About an hour there to go through all of that, <laughs> but – Give everybody a little insight into the SEC conference. If you haven't seen these teams play at all, listen there. You can get a little sneak peek as to who they are and what to expect in some of the games coming up with the Kentucky Wildcats when we inevitably do play them all, Sam. And the next order of of business for us is we do have a little football to talk about, but before we get there, Sam, just real quick, I'm going to take a second and address the Big Blue Nation, all of the Kentucky fans out there, and we got to talk about Coach Calipari just real quick. And he's coming over cover coming under a lot of scrutiny right now, and it, it, you don't have to look far anywhere you turn to see that Big Blue Nation is upset. They're angry. They're pissed off. They want to win, and they feel like they deserve better than what they're getting. And I understand that people are angry. You have a right to be angry. You have a right to feel the way that you feel. But let's not direct that anger and those feelings towards our head basketball coach. There are rumors going around, which I don't even think are true, about the fact that Texas is already contacting Coach Calipari about their opening position at the end of the season, and it's causing a lot of stir up and people coming out of the woodwork and saying all sorts of things. And I just need to say this one thing, but this is not the time to publicly go out there and bash our head basketball coach. This man has given everything to the university. He continues to fight and work hard every single day and every single year. He has done a lot for this Kentucky basketball program. 
we need to be the support system for Coach Calipari and these players right now. We may break down the game and pick out the negative things of what they're doing, but we're not coming on here and we're not going around bashing our coach and saying, let's get him out of town and let's run him out of town. That is the last thing that we need to be doing right now. You don't think this man feels the hurt and the struggles of BBN? They're going through it. They're the ones out there playing and coaching and working on this thing every single day. And just just some of the stuff out there, Sam, I, I just it, it irritates me. It upsets me. And publicly to see Big Blue Nation out there saying, we don't want Coach Cal anymore and get rid of him and he's this and he's that. And the grass is not always greener on the other side, okay? You have a legendary head basketball coach here who continues to bring in top talent year after year. Despite the fact that we only have one championship in his tenure here, that does not make what's going on a failure. We are not the only program around the country who has gone through ups and downs and has lost some big games along the way. The team needs our support. We're going to continue to support them. We're going to continue to support our head basketball coach. And we're going to let him work through these issues and give him the opportunity to fight and to battle and to come out this a better, a stronger man, a stronger leader, and our team as a whole as a better and stronger unit. So, Sam, I just wanted to address that. We, are, I am Team Cal, and I am never going to publicly bash this man or tell him that I don't want him anymore. If that's what ends up happening at some point and they decide to part ways, then I have no control over that. But while he's here and he's our head basketball coach, we need his we need to support him and this team through the good times and the bad. We don't turn our back and kick him while he's down. We continue to support and to love this team and to weather this storm with them because something beautiful can come out of this and we can turn the page at any moment. We've seen it happen in the past with his teams. We've seen his teams do a lot of different things, Sam. You can never say never. You can never give up on this because the light switch can go on like that and and we have a brand new basketball team that's very dangerous and can compete with anybody in in the country. So just wanted to put in my two cents on that, Sam. I don't know if you wanted to chime in on that at all, but I know you're gonna go over all of our football updates for everybody so if you would like to say anything go ahead if not go to the football but once you're done with that just go to the football anyways i'm done well no i i can't not say something about john calipari aj john vincent calipari is still kentucky's best option and he's still our coach and and i'm with you i'm team cal aj and i get it i agree with you Everyone has the right to feel the way they feel right now. But I I couldn't agree with you more. Publicly demoralizing this guy in front of the entire country, having ESPN, SEC, college basketball analysts getting tagged for their opinion on how much we hate Calipari is is absurd. It's absurd. And I get it, AJ. I was preparing for this podcast earlier, and one thing that always kept coming back to my mind was the word insanity. Insanity, by its definition, is 
continuing your same habits and expecting a different outcome. And I feel like that's what BBN is feeling right now because they think John Calipari is that he's doing the same thing and expecting the exact same or expecting different outcomes, but he's getting the same results. That's not the case guys. So dare, dare I bring it up AJ and I'll be brief. The question I have to pose to everyone to get us to, to move forward together is how did we get here? And I feel like that's an important question because like you said, we both agree our emotions are warranted. But how did we get here? We start in 2019 with the 2019-2020 season, AJ. We go 25-6. and six. We might have been one of the best teams in the country. Arguably, I'd say Michigan State, Kansas, and Kentucky were up there for potential national champions that year. What happens? Postseason's canceled to COVID. Then we move to 2020-2021. We go 9-16, nine, nine and 16, one of the worst seasons I can ever remember. But what happens that year, AJ? I mean, we, we have a weird team that never finds their identity, that really struggles with confidence. You have Terrence Clark, who's one of our McDonald's All-American star freshmen, only played eight games total for us. You've got B.J. Boston, who really is a shadow of himself at times and can't find confidence, but we put too much pressure on him. I mean, it, don't get me wrong, John Calipari did not do a great job, but unfortunately, those recruits did not pan out. And it's following an incredibly successful season. So now it feels like, okay, to BBN, it's been two years since we've won a game in the postseason, right? Okay, boom. Fast forward the next season, AJ, last year, 2021-2022. We go 26-8. and We go into the tournament as a two-seed. That number one two-seed, mind I say, we were right there on the cusp of a one-seed in the NCAA tournament, and we get a first-round exit to St. Peter's. Okay, so now we're three years, right? That's where this is all coming from. I talked to you, AJ. We walked into this season on the cusp of something great. We came from those last three years, and it feels like it's all compounding. But it's really not. It's two seasons, guys. It's two seasons. One of which was really bad. I'll I'll, I'll hear you there. The second one, it's a freak accident, and it's bad timing, AJ. It's bad timing. If this would have happened five years ago and it was following a season – like that 25 and 6 year in 2019, 2020, yeah, we'd be upset, but we'd say it's not a trend. It's the trend that's killing this big blue nation right now. And it's the trend of our last 18 games, AJ, against ranked opponents. We're 4 four and 14 in our last 18. I brought that up to you. The reason I bring it up now is because that's what's compounding this fan base into an anxiety of saying we can't win the big one. We can't even get to the tournament, let alone win a big game. But here's what I'm having to offer you. The grass is exactly what you said. It's not always greener. We have a Hall of Fame coach right now. He continues to bring in the best recruits. And you can sit here until you're blue in the face and say, it's not about the recruits anymore. We can't run with them. Okay. Fight me about it. But here's what I'll say. You let Cal somehow go to Texas, which, mind you, AJ, I listened to his radio show. He, he already said, Tom Leach asked him directly on his, his episode today, has Texas reached out to you? He said, absolutely not. No one has reached out to me. I love this job, and my only focus is this team. He loves his team, and he will figure it out, and I believe that, AJ. But for BBN to run around and say they could care less if Cal leaves UK and goes to Texas, what I'll tell you is he's taken every recruit, and he's moving on. 
and he's not even going to do that because he loves us and I love him. But I'm just saying, if that if that world ever existed, who, where do you think we're going to go? Look at what Duke's going through right now, AJ. They were they're a preseason top fifteen team. They're struggling. John Shire is not exactly killing it yet. Hubert Davis at UNC. They were preseason number one overall, AJ. Where do you see them in the top 25? The grass is not always greener. And I understand change is necessary. We live in this environment now in a day and age, AJ, where we're, we're so used to things always expiring quickly. We, we've got NFL coaches getting fired after one quick season if they have a losing record. It, it, it's unreal. I mean... We live in a different society right now, but I'm telling you right now, what BBN wants is something new. Dare I say, here's the answer, AJ, and this will wrap me up. Everyone just wants something new. We, we can't keep doing this. We're trending in the wrong direction, and I totally agree with you guys. But the answer is not that we need a new coach. We need the old John Calipari. What I will tell you guys right now is if I were to ask any of you, 2010 to 2020, they would absolutely say, I want John Calipari to be the coach of Kentucky until the day that he retires. This last three years is where it has gone wrong. Cal will find his way to get back to his old ways. He's going to do it this season. He will. He will. He will. I fully believe that. And I don't even have to bring up next year's recruiting class because he will do it again next year. You give me John Calipari 2010 to 2020 and you forget these last three years, I'm telling you, AJ, all of Big Blue Nation would jump back on that board. I'm still on that train, and I hope the rest of you come along because John Calipari is our guy. Absolutely, Sam, and appreciate those words there. You know, we'll always support our guy, and we'll always support this team through good and bad, through high and low. It does not matter. We, be, we bleed blue. Always have and always will. And I will uh, finish this up here, AJ. I'll be, yeah, I'll be brief, I was, but there's some football updates. Yep, I was just going to say we're going to completely switch gears here. Um, the reason why we wanted to bring you guys this football update is just because there's been a lot of movement within the transfer portal, guys entering their name to leave. We've actually confirmed that we've gotten some guys to commit to come to Kentucky. A lot has been happening over the offseason, so we're just going to have Sam run you through these things. And, um, you know, we'll touch a lot on this stuff as we prepare for next season, get all of our notes together and everything throughout the course of the offseason. And we'll bring you all of that in the later dates. But just wanted to get this out there to you guys today, real quick. And, uh, and then we'll get you guys on out of here. But back to you, Sam. Yeah, absolutely. So a lot of updates. We just want to get you guys brought up to speed um, with the current football news. Specifically, what I'll start with here, guys, is the transfer portal. Who's transferring out? Who's transferring in? I'll, I'll begin with the transfer outs and then how we're addressing it thus far. I'll start with the most key notable players that are transferring out of our programs. We, we've got Chauncey Magwood, wide receiver, transferring out. We've got Obviously, running back Cavassier Smoke transferring out. We've got Chris Lewis, wide receiver, transferring out. We've got Demarcus Harris, wide receiver, transferring out. We've got Keaton Upshaw, tight end, transferring out. We've got John Young. That, that one hurts, man. 
offensive tackle transferring out. I just don't think the fit was there. I wish him the best. We've got Keontae Goodwin, offensive lineman, transferring out. We've got Justin Rogers, probably the biggest gut punch we've received this offseason as far as the transferring out goes. And defensive lineman Justin Rogers transferring out. I mean, that, that one's tough, AJ. But so far, the Kentucky Wildcats have 13 players exiting the program and transferring to other schools. I then have eight names that I need to bring up that are transferring into our program that are addressing immediate concerns, AJ. Currently putting the Kentucky Wildcats as the number nine overall team in the transfer portal in the entire nation. We've got to tip our hats to Mark Stoops and his staff for going out and addressing a lot of immediate concerns of this Kentucky Wildcats football team. I'll be brief, but none bigger than the most recent announcement, AJ. Keyshawn Silver, five-star out of high school, defensive lineman to replace Justin Rogers from North Carolina. A huge get for this defense and Brad White. Going forward, absolutely love that. We've touched on this guy before, but Ray Davis, AJ, four-star out of high school, running back out of Vandy, 1,000-yard rusher, dare I say more, to replace not only Vasier Smoke, but obviously lead back Chris Rodriguez from last year. Devin Leary, already brought him up, but four-star out of high school, QB, NC State. This guy is for real. He's got numbers to back it up. 35-plus touchdowns, dare I say more. Okay, we're moving on. Jansen Dunn, AJ, four-star safety out of Ohio State University. I believe they used to call Ohio State DBU until I think OSU tried to steal that title. But, AJ, this is a well-coached kid, and I'm very excited because he's got some years of eligibility left that we are going to be able to utilize. Then I'll move on. Another huge concern for us, AJ, the cornerback position. And Mark Stoops goes out and grabs a huge get for us. And JQ Hardaway, four-star. He flipped, AJ. He flipped. He was going to Cincinnati. Obviously, Cincinnati loses their head coach. Four-star out of high school. Cornerback. Big get for our defense and Brad White. Then... Like I stated earlier, we lost a couple of offensive linemen, AJ, and that was already a position we really struggled at this year. In walk, two vital pieces of the big blue wall, two big bricks for this team. And Marquise Cox, a three-star out of high school, offensive tackle out of northern Illinois. We saw him this past season. This guy is a force to be reckoned with, and I love what we're going to get out of him. And the last transfer in out of the Alabama Crimson Tide big wall on their offensive line, Tanner Bowles, A.J., previous four-star out of high school. I absolutely this guy's, love this guy's size, his leadership, and his eligibility for us, A.J., because we are building that wall back to, to up to its standard. The last couple of things I'll mention for you guys that are key of note is our returners. AJ, we are building something yet again in Lexington. And through all this dark and gloom that the Kentucky Wildcats basketball team has brought us, 
the big silver lining has been our football program, AJ, because we've received announcements from the likes of Dan Key, Barry and Brown, Tavian Robinson, Kenneth Horsey, Jagger Burton, Eli Cox, J.J. Weaver, and Dion Walker all returning. Bates is coming back too, right, for another season at tight end? And Brennan Bates yes, is also sir. coming back to add depth to our tight end room. All those names, massive players for this Kentucky Wildcats team this previous season will continue to build the brand moving forward. And boy, am I excited about what Mark Stoops is putting together for next season. Still a long off season to go, AJ, but I will have to say this initial wave with the transfer portal and NIL nowadays is massive. And I will have to say Mark Stoops and staff have navigated this uncharted territory beautifully and have executed a hell of a start to the off season. Absolutely. Absolutely. Sam. And you brought it up this time of year is extremely important. The transfer portal is part of the game. Now guys, it is the name of the game in some, in some respects. So you're going to have guys that are leaving. You've got to be aggressive, and you've got to go out there and get some playmakers who can replace the production that you had before because you're not going to get all that through high school. So a really good job, as you stated, Sam, by Mark Stoops and staff to be able to start to put together this Kentucky roster. I could tell by the sound of your voice, Sam, and I know I am just – we are both really excited for – what's to come with this Kentucky football team. It's going to be a really fun off season. We got a ton of big plans for you guys to get you in the know with everything that's going on with them and to get really familiar with this team and we'll get psyched for next season. Um, that's about all that we had tonight. This may be, Sam, this may be one of the longest podcasts we've ever done. We're running about an hour 20 right now. We normally like to keep it around an hour. I apologize. We're going a little a little off schedule. We had a lot of stuff to get to tonight. And um, before we do get out of here, Sam's got a little something he's going to say. I'm going to give him the floor. He's going to lead us out. But appreciate all of you guys listening. Go Cats. And here's Sam. Well, let's do a little time traveling here, AJ. As of right now, there is a big game going on between the Georgia Bulldogs and the TCU Horn Frogs, AJ, in the national championship. By the time this airs, our listeners are either going to be able to say, old take exposed, or boy, do those guys know what they're talking about. Let me know what your thoughts are on this national championship matchup. Can TCU continue to keep the Cinderella story going, or is this Georgia Bulldogs team too deep, too much to handle, and are they officially going back to back? Oh man, Sam! You know my initial reaction is Georgia's going to win this football game. I, I, you know, I they're just they're they're too good, they're too physical, they're too strong, and. Stetson Bennett, I mean, you got to give this guy his flowers, man. He just makes big plays whenever Ohio State had the chance to knock them off. They didn't get it done. They, they came very, very close, Sam. They couldn't get it done. They had a ton of time to prepare for that game. You know, I think if this was the semifinal between Georgia and TCU, you may see a closer game. The fact that they only had a week to prepare for it, Kirby Smart and that staff, it's just a little too much to handle. Now, 
TCU has been a team of destiny this year. They, they've defied all the odds in every game in which you've counted them out. They've found a way to come back and win. They're dealing with a different animal here, Sam, and, and this Georgia Bulldogs team. And the one thing I'll say is it's never going to be over because TCU is going to keep fighting. But I wouldn't be surprised if Georgia is able to control the game for a large portion of it. We'll see if TCU can claw its way back into the game, but I, I would see something. I mean, it, it's a 13-point spread for a reason. They clearly think and know that Georgia is the better football team. You'd think they'd win by about two touchdowns or so. I, I hope it is a closer game, but it would not shock me at all if Georgia won by three touchdowns plus something like that. They're just they're a juggernaut, man. It's hard to handle. They had their they, Teams had opportunities to beat them this year. Nobody was able to take advantage of it, and you have to when you're playing the defending champ. But they get all the way to this game. I, I'd be really hard-pressed to take TCU in this game, even with the spread, Sam. I mean, that's asking a lot of a team who has, again, defied all the odds throughout the season. But I just, I don't know, man. I don't know if I see it here. It's Georgia just too well-coached, too much skill, too much dog in them to be honest with you but i love tcu what they've done this year max duggan has been awesome sonny dykes in his first season just really changing the culture of that second season really just changing the culture of that team and, and taking them and galvanizing them and you know that's a quarterback who didn't even start beginning of the season in duggan and he comes in and stays ready and and that just shows you the type of culture they have there as a team. And you can see that fan base is just extremely riled up and ready to go. But they're going to have their hand full with those dogs, man. I'm a huge Max Duggan fan. Very proud of what he's been able to accomplish this year and this TCU Horned Frogs team. But I'm with the AJ. Everyone's had their chance to knock off the defending champs. No one's been able to do it thus far. It's going to be tough to match up against this Georgia Bulldogs team. And I think Stetson Bennett does not get the flowers that you mentioned that he so rightfully deserves. This Georgia Bulldogs team is going back to back. All right. Well, that's all we got for tonight. So again, appreciate you all listening. Sam, appreciate your time. Look forward to watching the Kentucky Wildcats play the South Carolina Gamecocks tonight. We will be back later this week on Friday with another episode of the All Out Kentucky Podcast. You can follow us on social media on Twitter at AO Kentucky Pod. You can follow Sam on Twitter at SamBrad66. You can follow me there as well at Andrew underscore J Bradley. Let's get out of here. Let's wrap this thing up, Sam. We've run long. Have a good night. Enjoy the national championship. We'll see if we are right or wrong when the episode comes out. Go Cats. What an episode. There's only one thing left to say. Oh, C-A-T-S, Cats, Cats, Cats.